0: Well, I don't know if all of you are aware of this or not, but you may notice when you go out to the gathering space that today for the children is Pajama Day. And I was thinking to myself this morning as that alarm went off, I wish this was Pajama Day for me as well. And so perhaps next Sunday or next year at this time, who's up for a, a Pajama Day for everyone? <laughs> uh, wow, that's, that's the most energized I've ever seen you guys. All right, well, we'll... Uh, We'll certainly make sure to remember that for next year. This is uh, not only, of course, uh, the day when we uh, lose an hour of sleep, but also uh, the first Sunday of Lent. And so Lent uh, kicked off uh, on Wednesday. We had just a great Ash Wednesday service here. We had a a great turnout. It was a very meaningful uh, service um, led by Nancy Frick. And so um, I just certainly uh, thank her and thank all of you who came on that day. I really felt like it was a a good way for us to kind of begin and, and start wrestling with what it means that we are now in the Lenten season. And as, uh, as Betsy already pointed out, it's going to be a new series. We're done with Colossians for a little while. And uh, so the, the series is hashtag Dig ZPC. And I know that perhaps some of you are wondering what's, what is it, what's number Dig ZPC or pound Dig ZPC. It's neither of those. It's hashtag Dig ZPC. And we will talk about that a little bit more uh, at the end of this service. But don't get, don't get too worried about that um, But it is a time for us to kind of focus a bit more on some spiritual disciplines and understanding um, what are some practices that we can do in order to try and be shaped more and more like God during this Lenten season. And our passage to kick off this series is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 25 through 33. And so I invite you now to hear these words. Jesus is speaking here, and he says, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet our heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith. Therefore, do not worry, saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things. And indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Sisters and brothers in Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. God, this morning we pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts will be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen and amen. Do not worry about your life. Don't worry about what you will eat or what you will drink. Don't worry about what you will wear. Who, by worrying, has added even one hour to their life? Now, my guess is, if I asked you how many of you thought these were good words, that almost all of you would say, yes, all right, not as excited as for the pajamas, but excited nonetheless. Absolutely. These are good words. In fact, most of us would say, that's so right, Jesus. This is, wow, that is good stuff. When I'm worrying, I mean, those are, those are good things to say. In fact, we might even like it so much that maybe we'll write it down. Okay, good, do not worry. Yeah, don't, don't worry, don't, don't worry about my life. The, Hey, don't worry about my, my food or, 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 or what we're going to drink or what we're going to wear. That's great. And so we, we write it down and we, we fold it up perfectly and we, we put it in our back pocket. And then we go about our days where we do nothing but worry. They are great words. And yet somebody who is a self-attested worry wart will tell you these words are not easy to abide by I have been a worrier since I was knee-high to a grasshopper my mother uh, as I've told some of you before she uh, loves to talk about how the day before kindergarten I was so worried all day long I do not know my letters I said I think I said wetters she always likes to say and I know everyone else is going to and I was so concerned all night long about that, so anxious. And, and of course, as the years have gone on, the worries have just gotten bigger, right? I, I got worried that when I was out of the playground, I'd be the last kid picked, right? Then when I, when I got older I was worried about all the pimples that I kept seeing on my face, okay? Then I was worried that a girl wouldn't like me. Then I was worried that I might not get a scholarship. Then I was worried about what my next job would be. Then I was worried about whether or not I'd find a wife. And then worried about what kind of pastor I would be. And worried about whether or not I should come to Zionsville. Understandably so, I might say. <laughs> worried about a house. Worried about what it's going to be like when my little girls grow up. Worry, worry, worry. So I love the words of Jesus. I love the words of Paul in Philippians where he says, don't worry about anything whatsoever. I have these committed to memory because I have seen them so much. And yet, I have so struggled with actually living them They almost seem like a a pipe dream, somewhat unrealistic, really. And and it doesn't get any easier as Jesus kind of continues on. Uh, Jesus kind of, he goes on, and whenever I think about these words, for some reason I always think Jesus said it in an English accent. I don't really know why, but I always think that he would have said something like, look at the birds in the air. (laughs) Consider the lilies of the field. And all of a sudden, he goes off into this kind of poetic waxing that, quite frankly, makes it even more difficult for me to really believe it. It's almost like, it seems to me, he's telling us to just escape. And whenever you're worried about your mortgage or your job or a relationship, just go to a happy place. Think about birds and flowers and everything will be okay. And so I've wrestled with trying to figure out what's the connection between these things? How is thinking about a bird or a flower going to help me stop worrying about the many heavy things going on in our lives? What is the connection? And as I was continuing to think about that, I, I also started thinking more about these spiritual disciplines, these, these practices that we are going to be doing over these next month and a half, these next six weeks. And, I was thinking about the fact that oftentimes it's hard to see a connection between a spiritual discipline and how it's really going to change us either. I mean, fasting. Yes, I understand if you fasted a lot, it might change you physically. But I'm not sure how it really changes us spiritually all the time. What's the connection? Or, or even meditating on scripture. Yeah, during those few minutes, I can see how that would bring peace. But, but how, does it, how does it affect me the rest of the day or the rest of the week how does looking at at something like birds or flowers how does that really shape how i understand anxiety and so i was continuing to think about these spiritual disciplines and um there's a, a spiritual uh, a discipline uh, kind of guru if you will named richard foster perhaps you've read some of his books one of them is celebration of disciplines and he, he describes the disciplines these ways and i want us to think about that as we kind of continue on in this series One image that he gives is, it's like being a farmer. And if you're a farmer, you go out and you might till the soil. You might throw the seed into the soil. You might even water the land. But at the end of the day, you've done all that you can, and now you have to sit and wait and hope that the seed will grow. You can't force the seed to grow, but you've put yourself in a position in which the seed can grow. Or he says, it's like a sailboat. You can build a boat you can put the boat in water, you can put the sail up, right? But you you don't get very far if you're just... Right? What do you have to wait for? The wind. The winds of the spirit, perhaps. Or... The series title, Dig, ZPC, comes from a C.S. Lewis quote where he says that when we are doing our religious duties, and that doesn't sound very good to us in our day, but what he means is kind of the spiritual disciplines, we are like a people who are, who are kind of digging a series of canal in a waterless land so that when the waters come, then we are ready. When the waters of Christ come through us, then we are ready to change and to grow. And that's what the spiritual disciplines are. They are the part of work that we can do to put us in a position in which only the Spirit of God can then come in and grow us in our faith, deepen us in our faith. So, what does that have to do with the birds of the air? What does that have to do with the flowers of the fields? Well, as I said to you initially... It feels very much like an escape from reality to try to just think about other things. And yet the more I've thought about it, the more I've realized that actually it's almost the exact opposite of this. And what I mean is that really what it does is it allows us to see reality, perhaps for the first time, to see reality as it really is. So think about this. On those times, I know all of you have done this at some point, when you've looked out and you've seen a bird. Perhaps it's a beautiful red cardinal, right? My favorite team are the St. Louis Cardinals. And so I love seeing... who. Any, no? okay. So I love seeing red cardinals. But how many of you, when you've seen a beautiful red cardinal, have gone up and given the cardinal a pat on the back and said, You did a great job. You look beautiful. Nice work, bird. Or how many of you, when you see, let's say, a, a rose go up to the rose and say, Mr. Rose, high five. You have outdone yourself this time. I mean, that is quite the coloring. No, that seems silly. I mean, not just because usually you don't give high fives to roses or talk to them, but because of the fact that you know that the rose and the cardinal have done nothing to be so beautiful. They are simply a gift from God. That That the bird... And the flower are completely dependent upon God. They have done nothing for that beauty. And and one of the things that Jesus is trying to tell us here is that you have to begin training your eyes. One of the reasons why Jesus says, look and glance, right? And these are strong verbs. Tom Long has pointed out, this is not just kind of quickly thinking about these things. This is focusing on them. This is intentionality and energy, looking at these things, that when you begin to do that, you begin to train your eyes in small ways to see the gifts that they are, to see how dependent they are upon God. So that as you continue to see that and grow in that understanding, you then begin to broaden that and begin to see that not only are the birds and the flowers gifts, not only are they dependent upon God, but so is everything else. So too is the food that we have, the water that we drink, the clothes that we wear, the families that we surround ourselves with, the person that we look at in the mirror, the past, the present, the future. All of those things are gifts from God, but we have to train our eyes to see that. We have to grow in our understanding of how dependent we are on those things, are on God. We have to understand that we are not in control. Because here is one of the things I have learned about myself when it comes to worrying. That a part of the reason why I worry and why I am anxious is because I think it gives me control. This is the most irrational thought in the world. But it is absolutely the one that I have. That if I worry about a mortgage or a job or relationship enough, if I can just worry enough, then somehow I will control it. Now that's obscene. But it is completely what I believe. And so the reality, as Jesus knows, is that it is only as we begin to understand that everything that we have is a gift and that God is in control, only then will we begin to live, be able to give up some of that anxiety. You don't give up anxiety You don't stop worrying by just by pounding it in yourself. Stop worrying, stop worrying, stop worrying. You begin by starting to notice the small things around you that are gifts. And begin growing that and understanding that everything is a gift. That we are completely dependent upon God and God alone. And as we begin to do that, as we begin to sense the presence of God, we are inhaling the gift of God. And exhaling the worry and anxiety. Inhaling the presence of God. Exhaling the worry and the fear. There's just one problem. Which is that by and large, most of us, and I would suggest most of us, especially in this kind of area, are far far too busy to actually start looking intently at things like birds and flowers. We are running to and fro, hither and thither, back and forth, like a chicken with their head cut off. We are doing as much as we can so that the thought For even one moment of stopping to try and just focus on what's around us. As desolate and bleak as it may be right now. Is something that doesn't even cross our minds. There is simply too much. And of course we as adults, we're not alone in this. And and so as we were talking about this as a worship committee, we said, you know what? I I bet you there are some folks even younger than us that feel some of that busyness. And so we asked them exactly what it is that they were involved in. And so we've actually we got a little bit of video here to show kind of what they said that they were involved in. Let's see if this will work. I'm involved in school, church, CYT. Softball, basketball, swimming, volleyball, soccer, girl scouts, baseball, golf, wrestling. I'm in the school band. I'm in baseball. I try to be as active as I can in church. I have lots of school going on. Orchestra, um, reading, drawing. Football, basketball, and baseball. Hanging out with my friends, family. I'm in student council, tennis, trium. National Junior Honor Society. School, youth volunteering, church. Crew, tennis, and coloring inside the lines. School, hanging out with friends, choir. Swimming, tennis, golf, uh, art. Church, school, orchestra, cross country, softball. Baseball, football, basketball. I do dance. Cheer. Uh, church, school, color guard, uh, and basketball. Basketball, watching sports, tennis. Life, um, tumbling, basketball, softball, track. I like to eat a lot. My point in, in, in kind of having us look at this is just the reality that busyness now affects All of us, does it not? We all have so much stuff and so much to do. Our children have more toys than they could ever play with. Our youth, as you can hear, have so many different activities. Our adults are going from work. Then they're chauffeuring their children around. Then they're going to church committees. Then they're going to their other things and their other meetings. We are going everywhere. Is it any wonder that this week in the Zionsville News Sentinel... Is that what it's called? <laughs> it's called something like that. That there was an advertisement for a workshop for parents dealing with overscheduled children. Is it any wonder at all? Is it any wonder that most adults feel like they're being torn in a thousand different directions? Is it any wonder that we don't have time to stop to smell the roses? so to speak. So what's the answer? Is, it, is, it, is the answer to just stop? Well, let's just not go to work. Let's just, no sports, uh, no school, uh, no other activities, but done with church. This is going to be great. Nothing else. Well, of course, there's also passages in Scripture that talk about slothfulness and that that's not exactly the answer either. The answer is not to be all of a sudden legalistic and say, okay, uh, we'll never work more than 40 hours a week. Well, we'll we'll never do any sports activities on Sundays. I I don't think that's the answer either. But I do think that we have to start being aware. Because one of the things that will happen is you begin to see how everything is a gift. You will begin to see work differently, sport differently differently, life differently. But we also have to become aware of how subtly our society applauds you when you are busy, applauds you when you have lots of stuff, that that will always be what our culture encourages you to do. I can tell you this personally. When I have a lot on my calendar, I feel really good about myself. I feel pretty important. I am a pretty busy guy. There's something that gives me joy with knowing I have lots of stuff. Now, I also feel very anxious because I think, well, I don't know how I'm going to get all this stuff done, right? And there's kind of a joy in telling people that. Well, I've been pretty busy lately. Um, I'll try to get as much done as I can. There's a sense of, uh, of joy that comes from that, it seems, even amidst all of the anxiety. And we have to be a people... It's coming, just wait for it. There it goes. We have to be a people who are aware of how much we are being shaped by the society that says, do more, have more. And what we have to begin doing is asking ourselves, do we need to intentionally, and it will only happen with intentionality, do we need to start simplifying our lives? What does it mean for us to live in simplicity? And so, because we like the answers that the youth gave us for the first question, we decided to ask them that question as well. What does it mean to live a life of simplicity? And so let's listen to see if they have something to teach us on this as well. Simplicity is the ability for things to be easy. Doing stuff. Well, It means to me like, to not overcomplicate things or um, use or be a part of things that you don't have to be a part of. To be easy. To be easy. Easy. It's like being able to understand things easily. I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea at all. Something simple. Uh, simplicity is being simple, but in a good way. <laughs> uh, I think simplicity means that something is easy. Yeah. Not having a lot of complications and keeping things as basic as possible. The quality or condition of <laughs> being easy to understand or do. To me, simplicity is not needing material things to make you happy and being able to find joy just every day in life. Living is simple. So, there are two answers there that seem to me to be most prevalent. One is, I don't know. <laughs> Which means, I'm not going to judge anyone, but perhaps it's not being modeled. Secondly... It was the word easy. And at first when I heard this, I thought, well, I'm going to teach them something. Because we all know simplicity is anything but easy. And just about the time I was going to type that into my computer as I worked on the sermon, I was reminded of something that happened when we were in Mexico on a mission trip. We went to Mexico, uh, as some of you have done on mission trips, and we did, as some of you have done. We taught VBS. Right? But when we went, we, we, we really just did a couple things. We told them stories from the Bible, and we gave them colors or, or, uh, or pictures that they could color that depicted the story. And after we did that, and when we worked, we did some other work with adults. At the end of our time, as we oftentimes did, right, you go around, you talk about it. And one of the things that kept coming up was, you know, what's so weird is that what we did for them was so simple. And they don't have lots to do. They're not going to and fro. And, uh, and what we did, it was so simple. And, and they seemed so joyful. They seemed to not have all these worries that we have. They, they don't seem to be so anxious. And they were just so happy and so cheery. Isn't that great? And then we came back to Illinois. And what did we do? We went into our relatively large homes. We started going into the massive grocery stores and Target. We started getting back into our activities to and fro. And before you know it, we had completely forgotten all of that. The hard reality is in some ways it actually is easy. What do we have to do? Stop doing so many things sisters and brothers we have to start slowing down we have to put in our calendars not just go to johnny's baseball game not just hang out with the girls not just go to the gym but we also need to put in there look at birds consider lilies Not so that we will then never go to a baseball game or never hang out with the girls or never work out, but so that we will then begin to appreciate them as the gifts that they actually are. Sisters and brothers, this is an epidemic in our society and I would suggest again in this part of our society to be sure, in the northern suburbs of Indianapolis. I almost said Chicago, where am I? (laughs) We have to start slowing down. Because only as we do that, only when we are intentionally spending time reflecting on the gifts of God, only then will we be able to start exhaling the anxiety and the worry. It doesn't mean that there won't be any problems, but everything looks different when you understand that God is in control, and we are utterly dependent upon him. The challenge again as we've talked about during our some of our worship meetings at staff is that it's one thing for us to be able to say that here it's one thing for for some of you to nod your head and say great but I can tell you what's going to happen when you wake up for work tomorrow all of a sudden you're looking at the calendar and all of a sudden you're running to and fro it's kind of one of the hard parts about being a part of a of a church is that sometimes we just come here on Sunday morning and then we're gone and we don't really think about it again until next Sunday and so it's a part of the reason why we said, how can we try to engage with one another during the week? Because we know this is going to be hard. We know if we're taking simplicity seriously, it's going to be almost impossible for us just to do on our own. That we, we need to hear from others. What's your experience? We need to be supported by others. We need to be challenged by others. And one of the best ways for us to do that in this day and age is through social media. Now, I know not everyone here is into social media, and that's okay, right? For some of you, if I say Twitter, you're going to be like, well, where is that in the Bible? I have not seen Twitter. It's there. It's with the birds. (laughs) But I want to encourage you. Here's what's going to happen. Every week during this series, you're going to be given a card. You're going to be given it as you leave, just like you will this morning. And there are two things on this card. There's a homework assignment. That's right, you're never too old for homework. This week, give up give something up or a way that will simplify your life. That might be an activity Perhaps this is an activity that you can this week say, I'm not going to do that. And instead, what I'm going to do, it's supposed to be beautiful, especially tomorrow, is I'm going to go for a walk or I'm going to simply reflect on all the gifts that I have. Maybe you can just simply write those down. Or give something away. Maybe even just putting, uh, this is going to make you nervous, a smartphone away for a little while. Putting a game away for a little while. Whatever it is that oftentimes takes up time. To say, instead of doing that, I'm going to engage perhaps in a gift that is my spouse or the gift that is my neighbor or simply go walk on a trail. And what we want you to do as you're doing that, we want you to share your experience of that. Now, if you're not into any of those kind of social media, if you don't like the Internet, if you don't have electricity, whatever the reason might be. I want you to share that experience. Write it down. Call the church office, talk to Lisa Price and tell her this is what this is what happened to me. Can you write this down maybe and put it up? Or if you don't if you if you are online and whatnot, then, then look at our website because we're gonna have a blog every week. Josh MyGat did it this week and make a comment either on the blog or your own experience, or go on your Facebook page, or go on Twitter at hashtag digzpc. If you don't know what that is, just go on there anyway. So and and Or put up a picture. You can do that on Instagram or on Facebook. Put a picture. Maybe put a picture of a bird or a lily. Do something that forces you to ask, what does it look like for me to live simply? What does it look like for me to say no to a few things so that I can focus more on God? More on the gifts that God has given me. That will then lead to a life that is not full of anxiety. But a life that is full of thankfulness and thanksgiving, sisters and brothers, this is not easy. Which is why, again, you need this community. You need your brothers and sisters to your left and to your right who will encourage you and challenge you. And so, I hope that you will all take up this challenge. That we can continue to learn and understand what it means that everything that we have is a gift from the Almighty. May it be so. Amen.